welcome to this week's Thursday episode of the 905 Roundup. I'm Roland Tanner. I am Joel McLeod. And this week we're looking at a, at a few stories from Holton and Hamilton, uh, starting off with, with Hamilton, where the, the approaching municipal election is becoming more interesting, uh, not quite as interesting as I'd like it to be, but um, anyway, uh, the... Yesterday, uh, Bob Rutina, who we've discussed a couple of times in this podcast over the months, officially finally threw his hat into the ring after promising to throw it a few times previously. Um, so there are now um, two two people who who have their hats in the ring to be mayor of Hamilton, and that's Bob Rutina and Keenan Loomis, the um, former CEO of the Hamilton Chamber of Commerce. Uh, and well, Joel, what what's your thought on? On the Bertina announcement, um, everything that's old is new again. I guess, <laughs> and it, it, this has got to be the most un, yeah, this has got to be the most unsatisfactory uh, news to come to come into Hamilton in, in quite a long time. I mean, this is not surprising. We all knew uh, if you remember back before the last federal election, uh, the feds came into Hamilton with, you know, basically saying, hey, we'll build you a brand new, spanking new LRT, all the bells and whistles, all the fixings. We'll build it for you. You just run it. And that was too much for Bob Bertina to bear. So he had to uh, take his ball and go home. And he resigned his, he basically said, I'm not running in Hamilton East Stony Creek. Um, and everybody knew then, oh, he's going to go run for mayor because, yeah, you, you want to be. The guy running running in Hamilton that's going to say, yeah, that brand new LRT that we got that everybody's now keen on building that we're all, you know, we don't have to spend money to build it now. The feds are going to build it for us. Yeah, I'm going to ruin that. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come in and stop that. That's like a little bit. It's kind of read the room, Bob. Like, you know, the thing, people want this thing built. Somebody else is going to come pay for like all the obstacles that you had to it have practically been removed for you and now you're going to be like because what principle come on yeah i mean he he um he said in his announcement yesterday when asked on, on the lrt subject that you know that this thing has a has a kind of life of its own now and i've only got one vote well that didn't stop him standing in the way before and it didn't stop him while he was still in parliament um, trying to get the uh, Auditor General to investigate his own party and, and the mm-hmm. uh, and the spending announcements that are being made with the, between the Liberals and the and the uh, uh, Progressive Conservatives um, in uh, provincially and um, obviously that went nowhere by the sound of it. But you know, even on his way out the door of in Ottawa, um, he was trying to throw a hand grenade into into LRT and and uh, I. I other than the kind of feeling that this is a way to get votes in the suburbs of Hamilton, uh, because there are people who don't see the point of things that they don't feel they're going to use, I, d- I just don't see the obsession with it. Now, he says, I mean, he's kind of implied that he's not going to make this a central issue in his campaign. And I really hope that's true because I think, you know, everything suggests that the good people of Hamilton are sick and tired of this subject and, and have already had, you know, three referendums and counting on LRT uh, dating back to the first time that Brutina um, ran for mayor when he was actually a supporter, I believe. And this is before my time to an extent. So forgive me if I get any facts wrong about here's the Hamilton's th- history. <laughs> but here's the thing, Roland. Even if, okay, let's take him at face value. Say he, he is not going to stand in the way of LRT. Say, oh, I'm just one vote on council. Yeah, we know how 
politics work, but don't tell me you're not going to make like don't like just don't tell me you're not going to turn this into a reason. Like why why else are you running? Um, you know, we were looking at the the history of recent municipal elections in Hamilton, and it's the same kind of three characters that kind of keep popping up, and the, the three fixtures in Hamilton municipal life, and it's uh, starting with Larry Deany, then Fred Eisenberger, and then Bob Bertina. And, you know, it's just kind of like these, you know, these three guys is kind of fighting over each other for this, for the job. It's like, come on, you like, give Hamilton a break. Like, get, get, honestly, it's like, like, doesn't Hamilton deserve a new, new ideas, just a new vision, not just like, oh, it's my turn now. Fred, you know, Fred's had a kick in the can twice now. Bob's like, well, now it's my turn. I get, I get job number two. And then what? Next term, Larry Deany gets to come back and run it for a second time as mayor again. Like, it's not a fiefdom that you get to pass around to your buddies because, oh, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm, I got, I'm going to go off and make some money and I'll come back and because I like to hear the sound of my own voice. Ironically, again, in his, uh, his announcement yesterday, uh, Bettina mentioned, you know, there were, his council was somewhat fractious and there were a number of votes to censor him by other councillors. And he said, oh, well, you know, it was an old boys club. <laughs> it's like, still yeah, no is. <laughs> it still um, is. I, I, you're one of the oldest of the boys. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I tweeted yesterday, and I appreciate this is kind of a superficial tweet, a dumb tweet in some ways, but boy, would I like to see anybody in the race who is not a white man over the age of 65, 70, you know? Um, uh, uh, and sure, Keenan Loomis is, is is under that age, but he is a white man and fine. Um, it would be really refreshing to see some women, some uh, people from other sections of Hamilton society, uh, other communities coming in there. And there's stuff about, you know, again, the quote in The Spectator was uh, a, a um, I think it was a, a safe hand on the till or in the till. No, on the, at the till. At, let's make sure we get our, um, our, in, in our prepositions In the till right. might be actually a pretty good uh, analogy. Well, that's but, it. Um, I think the phrase is actually a veteran hand at the tiller, as in boats um, and steering thereof. Um, I don't think till is actually the uh, the word that Bob was looking for, but anyway. Um, it, I thought it was funny that he ended up with that one. And and that, that's one of the oldest cliches in politics is like, you know, anybody, if you're trying to stop someone beating you, you say they don't have experience. You remember it with, he's just not ready with Trudeau. And it, it's nonsense. Uh, it's doubly it. nonsense at municipal level where, where, where you know, he, uh, uh, Protina had just moments before said, well, I've only got one vote. Well, Keenan Loomis will only have one vote too. You're basically the chair of a board of directors, um, and yeah, and the, the staff idea, the idea are there to guide need, you. But the idea is you need a vision. Like we've we've had on to this podcast a number of uh, uh, people from Hamilton who are all all pointing towards the fact that there are people who are greatly, and this goes long, back long before you know the current the current cast of clowns uh, in Hamilton politics. You know Hamilton is dire need of new ideas, fresh ideas, and bold ideas stuff that's going to reinvigorate that city because it is the idea of holding on to some glorified imagination of the past of what Hamilton like the heydays of Steeltown are not coming back. Steel is gone. And I, I find that the you know the Bertinas, the Eisbergers, the the Deannies, all the these old school candidates, 
maybe that worked in the in the day to hold on to that idealized version of Hamilton, but that version is long gone. I don't even know if it ex- ever existed. We need new ideas. We need. Well, new- I mean, the the one the one pot shot um, that Bettina took at, at Loomis was that you know Loomis had dared to suggest that Hamilton uh, uh, needs more uh, new businesses and and a diverse business base other than just you know Stelco. And Tina said, "Well, that's not good enough. You know, we, we we can't just sort of discount. Well, I don't. I'm sure he wasn't a, but B. Yeah, absolutely. Hamilton needs more than just Stelco. Um, it, you know, we're not. It's not a steel town anymore. Uh, primarily, no. um, and it's, U.S. And, U.S. Steel doesn't want to be there. U.S. Steel doesn't want Stelco, the the site there. They want to shut it down and move out. They want other other U.S. Steel." Uh, properties that are more profitable, not still, not the old Stelco, and that's the that's what these guys don't get is that the world's moving on, and they're thinking, oh, everyone, everyone else is the is the problem, not us. And it's just guys, read the room. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, talking of reading the room, perhaps Judy Partridge read the room because uh, she announced yesterday that she's not running a- again after being a, a councillor since two thousand and ten, I believe. We are now at a position if one more member of council, and that includes the mayor, the current mayor, Eisenberger, who has not announced one way or the other whether he's running again, um, if, if another member of council should say that they're not uh, running, will be in a, 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 a dead duck situation, which has, as uh, you know, I want to give the credit here to, um, to Joey Coleman uh, for having read the Municipal Act more carefully than me. Um, and um, you know, if, if when you get to that state where where uh, a certain percentage of councillors have said they're not running again, or members of council have said they're not running again, uh, the remaining council is then uh, constrained from um, from acting in a number of important ways. Um, and I think there's like a they they can't spend more than fifty thousand dollars or something, which in again in a municipal context of a city the size of Hamilton is is kind of pocket change. Um, so that that could be quite a significant thing, and apparently the staff are already um, preparing for for the uh, for the fallout from that. If if another council member says they're not running, and certainly, I mean, there are a few councillors who should definitely think about not running, uh, who haven't said so thus far, and you know, um, but yeah, maybe that's you, but anyway, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe you know. If enough counselors just say, "Yeah, I'm seeing the writing on the wall. I'm not going. I'm not going to put myself up for that kind of uh, scrutiny," and and and, start, and walk away now. You know, okay, fine. So there's a, a Hamilton City Council that doesn't get any, doesn't do anything. Like, it, is that really so bad? Like, what what are they doing? What, like, what's on the on the long term agenda that City Council is trying to push forward? That you're like, oh, you, you know, they really need to get that done. You really need to get that that motion passed. Because it doesn't like there doesn't seem to be a, and that made this something to say about city council. Like, you know, it wouldn't. And to an extent, it I, happens every election anyway. Um, that that there is a period, but you know, the but, kind of equivalent of the rip period. The city can't can't behave in the way it usually does. Um, but there's, some, so but there's something. There's something about it's not that big of a deal. I just want to finish my, my thought here. That there's something about the 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 way that we picture government. Like if you think about it, you elect a federal or provincial government, and they'll have an agenda, right? They have a. a a platform that they're trying to implement, and they have four, usually four years to implement it. Um, and you can kind of, you, the idea is, oh, we, we vote on you based on whether or not you implemented your agenda and how well it implemented. City councils, at least to, when I, in my casual observation, they don't really function in that because really you have, everyone has their own 
basically their own agendas to to work for, towards. There's no party platforms that you're trying to implement. It's just six, 12 people around a table all trying to say, okay, I'll agree with yours. I'll do yours. Let's do vote for mine. I'll vote for yours. And somehow it all works out. Like there's no, and that's kind of what the mayor's for. The mayor's there to kind of say, no, this is the long-term vision for the city. We're going to build infrastructure. We're going to to implement these programs, et cetera, et cetera. I don't, and that's something I haven't really seen, not just, and this isn't a Hamilton issue. This is entirely a 905 municipal issue. You just don't see like that long-term vision for a city. It comes down to this kind of petty, uh, you know, just myopic vision of, well, yeah, I don't want that. I don't want a, a high rise going there. I want this, like there's no, again, there's no long-term vision for the city of we want the city to become this, you know, what, whether, you know, what's post in Hamilton, what's post Stelco, what's post steel. And nobody's been able to come up with that for 10 years. Sorry, scratch that 20 years. Nobody's really been able to present like what's the next, gen, what's the next phase of Hamilton, Hamiltonian greatness. And maybe that's why yeah, they, Judy Parker and the rest are, are bailing too. Cause like, I don't know. They don't know what that is. Let's, let's walk out now. I mean, I, to be said, I wouldn't even blame that on the councillors. I'd blame that on the way our municipal systems work. But, I mean, Bob Bertina is right in one, one, one regard. He only has one vote. I mean, the, I mean, a, a council, you know, when, when you're running for election municipally, it's very difficult not to say, I want to do this. But in essence, anytime a councillor, and that includes the mayor, says, I'm going to do this, they're lying to you because they have no idea if they're going to do that or not um, until they get elected. Uh, and, you know, we have a system that was designed to be weak. And as a result, we get weak results. And, um, uh, yeah, I mean, if you want a vision thing from municipal government, it's, it's difficult to know where the hell it can come from. Um, well, I mean, and it comes from staff; it comes from anywhere. And 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 you know, that's a funny kind of democracy. I always think, but you know, it's a system we've got. It doesn't seem to be a huge demand to change it, but I, I do think it comes with problems. And and that kind of putting a platform in front of an electorate and saying, mm -hmm. "This is what we are going to do if elected." Um, doesn't exist at a municipal level, and I think I, I do think that's a problem. Absolutely, but I mean, just coming back to that, just briefly again, where so I mean, it is going to be a very different council. Even if everybody is re-elected who's running, it's going to be substantially different. Samarolo will be gone. Brenda Johnson is gone. Um, uh, Judy Partridge is gone. Uh, Russ Powers, who replaced um, uh, the uh, his name escapes me, the the uh, councillor in Stony Creek, um, is not running. Um, uh, and uh, Chad Collins, sorry, that's his name. Um, so uh, there's going to be a better quarter change, even if um, it's a complete um, rerun of, of 2018. Otherwise, I don't think it's going to be a rerun of 2018 um, unless I'm very much mistaken. So um, it does seem there's going to be a significant amount of new blood on the council. Let's hope it's, um, uh, and again, experience, bah. Don't need it. <laughs> ambition. Let's see ambition. Yeah. All right. Let's call it a, a break for now, and we'll be back with uh, the uh, the other side of the of the bay. And we are back. Uh, so, as I promised, we're jumping across the bay, across the skyway, into the grand old region of Halton, um, specifically uh, Halton District School Board. Uh, were uh, they got into the news today, uh, this week because of cuts? Um, 
uh, and I, I'm being I'm being I'm being very facetious here, and I'm being I'm being melodramatic for no reason. But apparently, the, the Holland District School Board decided that they were going to need to uh, shuffle resources and basically eliminate in the elementary levels of their schools uh, the teacher librarian position um, because, uh, well, the reason that they were giving is essentially uh, the last few years because of COVID, the disruption of school life. Uh, students are behind. Uh, they need, in their case, um, the change in staffing is going to result in hiring 15 permanent uh, learning resource teachers uh, who will be able to help to provide early literacy support uh, for those who need it in the Halton District School Board uh, system. And those librarian t uh, uh, t teachers will be re uh, shuffled into uh, different roles within school. So it's not that they will be losing their jobs uh, uh, specifically, they'll still be employed by the by the school board, just in a different capacity. Um, yeah, yeah. Sorry, carry on. Oh no, I was just, well. I was just going to say, you know, uh, we were talking about this story before we we hit record, um, and that that's just you know, I'm not. I don't really think view this as a fault of the district school board. I think they're being. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a lot of people yell at their uh, their car radios when I say this. I think that the DSB is being responsible on this front. Um, they need it like any. If you're a parent of a kid in an elementary school, regardless of, of grade, you gotta notice that your your kid is not is not where you think they should be. Probably in terms of their education, um, you know, virtual learning just did not work. Uh, for a lot of students, it, it, you might have gotten by, but let's face it, just the social development or just certain areas, there's your kid just isn't quite up to par. Um, and quite frankly, like, there is no plan that we can see from the provincial government to make this up. It's, it's again, it's let's farm it down to the various school boards to figure it out. And this is the result. Yeah, I think. I mean, maybe it's maybe it's an easy target to say blame the province, not the board. It is kind of how my biases, or it's how my feelings go, and you can call those biases, or you can call it well, well based <laughs> opinion as you like. Uh, it, I think, when we we was in first of all, this this got a lot of attention on, on Twitter and social media, um, so it's, it definitely seems mm -hmm. to have touched a nerve with the public. Um, that it didn't touch with the local media particularly. There is an article in Inside Halton. Um, I think that's the only one I've been able to find. Um, and uh, th there was there was some uh, uh, criticism too that this was not a decision. This decision didn't go to the board uh, of trustees. It, it was made by the professional staff of the board, if you like. Um, I suspect there's a reason for that um, when it comes to issues of employment and things like that. But I don't know for sure. I'd have to check that. And I haven't, we haven't checked that. Um, that would be my assumption is that if it didn't go to the board, there's good reason for it. And also, I don't think it going to the board, um, <laughs> I don't think that anything going to the board really helps it usually. <laughs> um, the, it uh, it rings a well. It brings back a very very distant memory to me from from before I emigrated to Canada of of growing up in in the UK and under Margaret Thatcher and that's when all our librarians got disappeared. In fact, the libraries disappeared shortly after, very often in in schools. Um, you know, when, when the pressure is on finances, uh, these 
extra things which which have all kinds of value don't think that for a minute i am minimizing the value of them uh teaching you know if the only thing that librarians do is teach a few children to love reading that is a massive massive contribution to society that we are losing however um yeah where where when you know schools been told to sort of dip into their reserves to pay for things that uh, the provincial government was getting money from the federal government to pay for, and then that mm-hmm. money wasn't making it to the schools. I mean, by the billions of dollars. Um, yeah, I'm going to blame the province uh, uh, for this. Um, and you know, so I mean, that those every one of those teachers is still going to be teaching. They're just not going to be teaching the library component of their jobs. I do think that's regrettable, um, but I I don't know what else you're supposed to do. Um, well. I'll be, I'll be honest. Current climate. That this is quite frankly uh, part and parcel with a conservative government in this province. I, I, I know you weren't aware of this, uh, Roland, but back in the '90s, with in the Mike Harris, Ernie Eves era, um, like the, the emphasis was on STEM. Right, you just do, uh, schools in Ontario should only teach basically like math, science, uh, and that's it. You know, just the basics. You, you don't need all these fringe fluffy duffy you know loosey goosey that's just waste of time and that's just you know that's hippy dippy bullshit so to speak and that's you know that's your arts that's your music that's your um basically history stuff. history <laughs> history Sorry, english what I'm passionate about <laughs> it, 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 but it is it's like it's the stuff that yeah the i guess conservatives felt like, oh that's just a waste of time all you need to do is teach somebody how to how to add and subtract uh do some basic science and that's it. It's that's all you need to get a good job in this in this province, which is utter complete bullshit. And what I think is, is just because once you get into history and art and English and those subjects, that requires critical thinking. That requires you to start to take a pause and say, wait a minute, I need to process this. Why is this happening? Why did this happen? What were the consequences of these things? And you become smarter and you're a bit more discerning towards, you know, the powers that be. And I think that's, that's I mean, this is me uh, editorializing, but that's the, that's, I think the conservative mindset is if all you're doing is just thinking math and science, very logical, you don't think critically of why is this, what's the consequence of this? What, you know, what's the, what's been the history of the, what's happened in the past on this? What, what could we take that and infer could happen in the future? And, that's what happens. That's what this conservative government has been doing all along, even before COVID. That was the case, and so bring it back to the HDSB. It's highly regrettable that they're eliminating the teacher librarian position from elementary schools. Um, I think it's a credit to the HDSB that they managed to keep the 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 staff, like the the teacher librarians, as staff. Uh, still on the payroll, good for them. Nobody wants to lose a job. Uh, so kudos to them. But this isn't really like, a, oh, we're going to find a more efficient use for the, those resources. This is, let's salvage what we can. And that's a sad state of affairs. If we're at the point of after COVID, oh, let's salvage it. Let's, let's not try to rebuild it, build it back better. Let's, let's make it better than ever. What new technology can we make to make it more efficient, more interactive, more educational? It's let's salvage it. Let's, let's try and scrape together something to present to students to you know or just the fact that say yeah virtual learning sucked it wasn't the the savior we were hoping it would be so we need you know we need to double down to bring students back up to speed where they should be um 
and that's and I think that's comes down to is like we're what, what are we two three two months now out of a out of the election and we have yet to hear anything from this government about how we're going to rebuild the education system in this province. And I like well, what I, we did I want, see I want, last week uh, was I, I don't know if you caught this story, but but there certainly uh, there there are draft proposals instead suggesting that mm-hmm. that um, teachers or support staff become kind of unpaid medical well unpaid yeah. nurses basically who could administer injections to children. Now, yeah. the average teacher is already doing far more than teach i mean that they are already acting as social workers as as uh carers for for children with with exceptionalities mm. and uh uh you know it, it you know it, it's part of the problem we have as a society is we don't really many of us don't really know what teachers do and teaching is just one part of it <laughs> um so but i thought again, that was an absolutely insane it is it is insane ridiculous that's, idea but that's what this government goes through it's like well let's try and maximize you know you can, if you do one you can do another thing and it's incredibly insulting to just throw that on you cuz oh you're a teacher you can do you know do whatever i tell you to do it's insulting and that's and it, we're missing a huge opportunity here to Look at building back this education system into a an envy of the free world, an envy of the first world. It should be. We should be coming out of COVID with new ideas. We've had an entire all this experimenting with virtual school. Some of it worked, some of it didn't. It the the idea of including new technology into the educational material it should be something that should be examined and see like how do we what resources can we put in front of students now to make them more tech literate and tech savvy and tech critical for the 21st century and this government is doing nothing in that regard it is just letting this opportunity pass us by and it's just and I, 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 it frustrates frustrates me as a parent to say i i try to teach my kids to be tech critical tech literate social media conscious, all that stuff. And we had two years of students in front of a computer being taught by their teachers and we didn't learn anything from to say, okay, yeah, that sucked. But like nobody thought maybe use this time to educate students on being a little bit more critical of what they're reading online, how they're interacting with technology, especially in this day and age, what what we've seen south of the border, what happens when people are stupid and go to Twitter. Uh, again, this government has no faith in our education system, and it frustrates the shit out of me. <laughs> it has no faith in it. Um, it didn't use it in itself in many cases. I mean, Stephen Lecce famously never used it himself. He didn't go to a, mm-hmm. to a public school. Absolutely. Um, I mean, there was an article the other day, and I can't remember off the top of my head where it was, but it, it made the point that I think is ultimately almost certainly true that the ultimate objective is, is that we have an American style system where those that can afford it and are fortunate enough send their, their kids to private schools and and uh, the rest, the what you know, the underclass that you create as a result, go to public schools and, and basically don't get educated. Uh, and I think we have to be on our guard for that because that is just a horrendous notion. Yeah. But I think it's absolutely the notion that 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 is at the core of conservative thinking that the state shouldn't do anything and if it does do things it should almost deliberately do them badly and the, the force us is, to go out and pay for it but the rest of us and, agree and 
but that's the yeah, thing that, that's, is that education should be the great equalizer. Everybody, because we've seen that you, you could be the poorest of the poor and you get a great education and you can figure out, well, I can work to better myself and better my community and better my, my, my situation and you become a better person. If you're stuck scrambling to figure out, well, I need to figure out how to pay tuition for grade three, you know, that's, you're not a better person. You're just scrounging the bottom of the food chain, so to speak. That's not an education system. That's a that's a, a Hunger Games model for society, which doesn't end up that well. But if you have an education system that creates people smarter, critical, uh, and and you know, honestly, God, like free thinkers and just looking at new and innovative solutions to the problems that we have, my God, like we can, that that society can do anything. Clues in the name, I guess they say conservative, and it strikes me always that the problem is not not even the left right economic side of things. It's that the core conservative ideology is ultimately what I think is right, and whatever's at the top of my head, whatever seems mm-hmm. like the first easy solution to anything is obviously the right solution. And if I have to think more than a second about it, then I'm not interested anymore. And it. it and it's, I mean, it's, it's a disaster. Our competitive advantage in a country like Canada, we can't compete with China on wages. We can't compete with Malaysia or Singapore or wherever, uh, you know, Bangladesh. We can't India. compete with America because of population. We, don't, we have a lot of things working against us in the world, people. Let's be honest. We don't have the population. So we compete on education. That's exactly. what we've got is education. Um, and if we don't have that, we're screwed. Uh, we're absolutely screwed. Um, and you know the the US we see that you know the the age of the American Empire, if you like, is drawing to its close. We see that we see evidence for that surrounding us that the China is 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 the next, you know, I, mean, I don't want to sound like some kind of crazy conspiracy theorist, but I think that's good evidence to suggest that you know, China is is the next top nation or whatever, you know. Um and part of the reason for that um is that you know it, it you can't off get things done when you don't ha- when you're not democratic. I mean, mm-hmm. but but also you can't off get things done when you're not dealing with dogmatic uh, dogmatic uh, right wing dogma and you know the, the, I'm expressing myself exceptionally badly even for me. But, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, they have state run schools and boy, they're kicking our asses. <laughs> No, like so maybe state-run schools are not such a bad thing. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm oversimplifying, undoubtedly, but um, no, it's 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 right. I mean, if a public, the great, the greatest thing the 20th century ever brought for democracy was publicly funded education. You had smarter people who were engaged, who were literate, who knew about the world that was around them. They absorbed it, they processed it, and they made educated, informed and creative choices to solve the problems. They didn't always get it right, but it was, we always moved forward. The, the conservative party, the fact, again, the fact that we do not, we're two months out of the, from this election, we do not have any idea of how they plan to rebuild the education system after COVID is kind of frightening to me. And it's something that we should be starting to ask Doug Ford and Stephen Lecce uh, more and more as we get closer to the election, because, um, it's it it's an answer that needs to be done uh need to be answered and i'll leave it at that for uh for this episode yeah I, i'll just finish off as is my want because i can't shut up um <laughs> with one final thought and that is that 
uh, as a society, we have to demand we have to demand complex answers to complex questions. Um, that if if a politician knocks on our door and says that something is simple, you know, the the the, the, the perfect exemplar of this is Donald Trump. That you know everything was going to be easy, everything's simple, and for him it is because he has no brain. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, the world is incredibly complex, incredibly difficult. Governments are massive things that are really difficult to 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 move in any particular direction. Um, uh, businesses are vast global entities. Uh, the complexity is mind-boggling. We've got to have people who are capable of understanding complex concepts and uh, uh, leading us in, in an extremely complex world. It's, it's almost that simple if I can undermine my own argument right at the end. <laughs> All righty. Well, let's leave it at that for uh, this episode. Thank you everyone for listening. We'll be back next Tuesday with another episode. Until then, take care. That's it for this episode of the 905er. Thank you for listening. As always, you can send us your feedback, thoughts, and concerns, or ideas for future episodes to our email, info at 905er.ca. We'd love to hear from you. You can help us keep the 905er going by financially supporting us through Patreon as well as PayPal. Visit us at 905er.ca and click on the support tab. As well, links are in the show notes for your convenience. Lastly, you can find us on social media. Search for the underscore 905er on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So long for now. See you next time. listeners i'm christy and i'm melissa and this is buried motives where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers she said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back and that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer in such a dirtbag yeah that's not even strong enough words this is totally a recipe for disaster and not to justify whatever is going to happen but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100%. Because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth.